So we're finishing up the first series of 2024 already. Uh, we, we started a challenge this year. Anybody remember what the challenge is for 2024 for us? Yeah, we're going to read through the New Testament in a year. Last year we read through the whole Bible in a year. That was the challenge for last year. This year we're just kind of focused in on the New Testament. If you hadn't had a chance to jump in on that, that's, it's an easy one to, to just jump into. Because we're reading one chapter a day, five days a week. And uh, you can grab a bookmark. I don't know if we have any more bookmarks in the lobby. If not, we'll make some more and we'll have some out there for uh, coming months. And also you can get on the Church Center app. And in the Groups tab, you can sign up for the, uh, the Bible reading plan. You can look at it on the app. You can also share the calendar with your phone calendar and it will have it up there. You can actually click on that thing and it has all the Bible verses right there in the calendar or on the app. And so those are ways for you to uh, kind of stay in touch with that. Um, and uh, we're doing this. We're reading through the New Testament because the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, is our promise. It's, as the Christians, as the church, the promise for the church uh, is found in the New Testament. The Old Testament is good for us. It, it's still got promises of God that we can hold on to. It's still got it's the Word of God. It, we learn from it, uh, His character and His pattern. The New Testament is, is our promise. And so the goal is to know it, to understand it, to be able to use it and live it. We understand that this is not just going to be completed in 2024. We're going to, it's an ongoing challenge because we're always able to learn, always able to grow in our faith, in our wisdom, our knowledge of God. Uh, but we have to find ways to aim at that. And so this is just one resource that maybe you can try and uh, take on and reading the Word of God, staying on that, that reading plan. So along with reading the New Testament... We're also spending most of our time on Sunday morning preaching about the New Testament. In fact, next week we start the book of James. We'll start reading the book of James. We'll be done with James and we'll still be preaching, talking about it, because it's five chapters, and so there's five days. Um, But the book of James starts next week. Um, But uh, right now we're finishing up with with this last one here. Um, Preaching, we started the year with this series because this is the centerpiece of it all. The way of Jesus This is uh, the focus. This is the heart of our faith. We need to direct our heart. We need to direct our faith and our eyes towards the ways of Jesus. And we could go all year on this this series. But uh, this is the last one for right now. We've talked about, in this series, the the way of Jesus walking through temptation. We've talked about His way of mercy and forgiveness, uh, righteousness. Last week we learned that He is enough the way of Jesus is the way of enough. Today, we lead. We lead. Today, we're, we are going to be on the road with Jesus, and he is walking with a vengeance toward the capital city of Jerusalem. His disciples are following right behind him. He's leading the way on his way to Jerusalem. And the, the tension at this time in the scriptures is mounting. The, the time is drawing near. Jesus is about to wrap this thing up. His time on earth is almost done. His, he's days away from the crucifixion, and his disciples, they don't really know that. They're not really aware of the things that are to come. We've, we've talked about this tension, I think, that we, we would imagine would be in Jesus uh, because he is about to leave, and he wants to make sure that his ways are carried on after he's gone, 
That's a big task to pass that kind of mission along. Have you ever been in a position like that where it, you, know, you were leaving somewhere, as your, your time was finished with an organization or the role that you're playing, but you really wanted things to carry on and to thrive after you left, and so you're trying to pass on whatever needs to be known in order for that to happen. I've seen this happen on, uh, on both sides. Uh, <clears throat> about 20 years ago, my brother and I stepped into uh, leadership roles with an organization called the Carolina Christian Youth Convention. Carolina Christian Youth Convention, uh, in fact, about 35 of us from Sunrise this coming weekend are going to be going to the CCYC uh, to participate in this weekend uh, conference for teenagers. Um, And about 20 years ago, I was a part of a new team of volunteers, young ministers in our 20s, and we were taking this organization from a group of men and women who had been leading the CCYC for decades before that. I mean, before I even attended as a kid, these guys and gals were, were leading this organization. Well, those guys who were passing it on to us, I mean, they, it was very precious to them. They had worked hard to keep this thing going year after year, but they were finished leading. They just needed someone to pass the torch on, some capable hands that could take it on. Unfortunately, my brother and I and a couple of friends, we were the only hands that were available and so it's like, okay, those hands will do. We'll pass the torch on to these guys. And so um, the thing was, the weight of the responsibility was not something that we had experience with, right? The, and so these, these older and wiser uh, men had to teach us to walk with us and eventually give the reins of the organization over to us. And they stepped away and to, to pass this mission on. If you don't know what CCYC is, maybe you've been to some kind of conference before. It's from Friday to Sunday, and it's just this uh, concentrated uh, spiritual high kind of thing where you go and there's, there's music and there's sermons and there's small groups and there's workshops and there's games, there's fun, there's van rides, and you just this, this intimate time with your youth group. And then I think this year probably 1,600 teens from North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, all coming to this one spot in this big room and all worshiping God together. And, and so it's, been, it's had a huge impact through the years. So we took this over. We struggled a bit to start with. Like, uh, but soon we got our feet under us and we started moving along, getting this thing going, had some powerful weekend conferences that we feel like really made an impact. But then it was like the blink of an eye. We got to the point where it was time for us to hand it off. Uh, our time with this role had passed, and now the shoe's on the other foot. We had to figure out how to do this, because at, at CCYC was something now that was precious to us. We had invested in this, and we cared about it. We wanted to make sure that it kept going and thrived. It was like our baby, and we wanted... Uh, to pass it on in such a way that it would keep going as long as possible, having an impact, but we had this pressure of like, how do we pass it on? How do we make sure everything that we know is now in their heads or somehow in a document or somewhere where these teens could still have this impactful weekend? And now it's almost silly to compare something like that to what Jesus is doing. But can you imagine Jesus doing this with his disciples? He's, his time is almost finished And he's training them to take on this momentum and then build on it. To save the world from sin and death. i got to tell you everything you need to know. That's a big task. To take on his ways. Not only learning 
his ways, but then in living it out, teaching it in such a way that it would pass on from generation to generation. And they must have done a pretty good job. Because here we are today, 2,000 years later, and now it's our job to pass it on, to lead to the next generation, to keep it going. Well, today we're going to look at one of those traits that Jesus wanted desperately to pass on to these disciples. Ways that he lived that they had to have. The way of a leader. So let's pray and see what this story holds. God, we thank you so much for bringing us here. And I just pray the Holy Spirit will lead as we... Uh, discuss this, that we, uh, as I present some things from the scripture, that you'll guide what I say, and as we all listen and look to apply this to our life, uh, teach us, Lord, guide us to follow your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. The way of a leader. The way of Jesus is the way of a leader. Now, I don't care who you are, whether you would call yourself a leader or not. Every single one of you has influence. And this lesson in leadership is not just for some kind of power positions that they only need to hear. It's for every single follower of Jesus. Like I said, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In a few days, it's going to be his final week, and he's still teaching his ways. He's still kind of unloading. These are the things you need to know. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. It says, They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid Again, he took the twelve aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. Now, I don't know exactly why it says the disciples were astonished and the, the, the uh, followers were afraid. Maybe it, it was because uh, of all the things that were going on. The miracles that he'd been doing or the, the teachings lately that he'd been giving. Or maybe it was just the tension that was growing because of all the, the scary situations. Like Maybe it was because they were heading at this moment with a determined pace... Into the belly of the beast, the enemies of Jesus, into Jerusalem. Uh, But there's a lot of reasons that they could be having that intensity. Whatever it was, the intensity of Jesus was heightened and the group could feel it. And Jesus stopped for a second to have a conversation with just the twelve that might explain the tone of things. In verse 33, Jesus said, We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. (coughs) They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise again. It's it's an intense message, right? And you know it's serious because Jesus is talking in third person, right? Whenever somebody goes into third person, you know something's going on. And he takes these 12 aside to tell them privately what's coming. Have you ever had to do that? You maybe pull your kid aside or somebody you know. Because you know that something intense is about to happen. But you also know that your kid doesn't know what's coming. Right? Like maybe you're going to your crazy cousin's house and you're like, Hey, listen, you're going to see things in there that you might not be used to. I don't know. Or, Or something like maybe you're going to the hospital and your kids have never been to a hospital room or see someone sick like that. And so you take them aside before you go in. Hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's what you're going to see. Or you take them to a funeral. You do this little side conversation and say, hey, something's coming, and you know they don't know what, they've never experienced it before. Well, Jesus, he knows what's coming in Jerusalem, and he also knows that they don't know. It's like, we've got to go to Jerusalem, and I will be betrayed. It's going to be the chief priests and the teachers of the law 
going to be responsible for my death. I'm going to be handed over to Rome, the Gentiles. I'm going to be mocked and spit on and flogged and killed. And I'll be raised on the third day. Now, let me ask, if you know what actually happens, was Jesus pretty clear as to what's going to happen? Pretty straightforward, pretty clear. Uh, Granted, I mean, that's a lot to digest. He's he's telling these guys, and they obviously are struggling to receive it, um, but he was clear, and maybe that's why the disciples still didn't understand, because it was too hard to believe, to imagine that that was going to be what happened was too hard to believe. And we know this is, is this case because this is the third time Jesus has told them what was going to happen to him, and each time they would not receive it, literally. In fact, this time, look at how they respond. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. That's their response to this. So Jesus, after bearing his heart, you know, unloading this devastating vision of what's coming, this future thing that's about to happen, James and John obviously did not process it. They just kind of, maybe they weren't even listening. Maybe they had in mind something they wanted to say. So they just bypass everything that Jesus says because here's what they have in their mind. You know, they're listening, like maybe betrayal, yeah, mock, death, okay, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Jesus, hey, check this. We want you to do something for us, anything we ask. You can kind of hear their naivety in this. And it's like, okay, you're going to be the king, right? How about this? Let us sit at your right and your left. When you're in your king, you know what they're asking, right? They want to be great. They aren't aware of what Jesus came to do. So in, in their mind, just like the crowds who had come to follow Jesus and they're curious, they think Jesus is going to Jerusalem to be king, to kind of take over. Therefore, why not take a stab at this? Let's be the first ones. Like We want to, we want to be at your right and at your left. We want to be your confidants. We want to be your generals. We want to lead in your kingdom right beside you. But Jesus uh, has just given this speech about his imminent death. And so just imagine maybe what's going on in his head. He knows what's coming. He is going to Jerusalem to be king, but not how they imagine. Maybe he's thinking about what's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, they're going to make me king all right. They're going to put a crown on my head. They're going to clothe me in purple. They'll drape purple as they mock me. They're actually going to, they're going to give me a sign that says, King of the Jews. And then they'll raise me up. And you want to be on my right and on my left. That makes sense to what he says next in verse 38. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Can you... Be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. In other words, can you take on the burden or pay the price that I've got to pay? You can't even stop to hear what I've just said. What's coming, you don't know what you're asking. This isn't going to turn out like you think. They, they aren't heading to Jerusalem for a victory celebration, but for suffering. They're looking for promotion. They want to, I think with good intention... 
share in Jesus' future, and Jesus is trying to explain to them what that future is so that they're prepared. Can you drink that cup? Let's see if it's sunk in yet. They answered, we can. And Jesus said, probably with a deep sigh, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Actually, you know what? Both John and James, they don't know it yet, but they will drink that cup. They will suffer like Jesus suffered. James will be martyred. John will be persecuted highly and will come to no suffering, will be exiled And Jesus acknowledges that they will drink that cup. But he hasn't got a position for them like they think. Right now, he can promise them persecution. See, he has come and he is going to Jerusalem to serve the world by sacrificing his life. Jesus comes to be a servant to all and that is the position he is offering his disciples. He wants them to, he, they've got to understand this. And they won't understand it yet, but they will come to understand it. As he ascends on the cross, that's where they want, that's where he wants them to follow. Self-sacrifice. Now moving on in the story in verse 41, it says, When the, ter- the, the, when the ten heard about this, When the ten, they're talking about the ten disciples. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, what do they do? They lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, these ten disciples, they were made aware that James and John had made this request about this position. And it sounds like they were, they were mad because they didn't ask first. Like, why are you doing this? Who are you to take this you know, to jump in and take those positions. And, and so Jesus goes on to teach all of them. You know, like, before I leave, before I leave, before I'm gone, you've got to know this. My way, the way of Jesus is service. You lead the way. You're going to lead. I'm going to give it to you. You lead the way by serving others. This is counterintuitive. That's not where you lead from. You lead from the top. So you lead from service. This is countercultural. You got to get out of the mindset of the way the world thinks of these things. You see, the world wants power, the world wants position, because that's typically where leadership happens. But what do the powerful people of the world do with their power? It says that they lord it over. They lord it over the people, they manipulate and exercise their position for their own advantage. But listen to what Jesus says, and this is one of the best parts of those verses. In verse 30, 43, it says, Not so with you. 
Not so with you. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Not so with you. If he's going to leave these guys in charge when he's gone, and they're going to carry on the mission, the kingdom of God, they've got to understand this. Yes, you lead the way. You guys are in charge, but lead as servants. I started out this morning by saying that the sermon is, I want us to follow the ways of Jesus, and the way of Jesus is to lead. But we might get the wrong idea if we think of leading in the terms that this world thinks of it. We might misunderstand the dynamics of this. So let's clarify. The way of Jesus is to lead as a servant. Keep in mind, James and John, they're, they're not evil men coming to Jesus and just trying to, to jockey for power because they want to do something wrong or anything like that. Like it, They're not trying to do something harmful. Why do, why do you think James and John want those positions? My guess is that they want to be in those positions so they can do great things for the kingdom of God. Put us in the positions where we can have the most impact and, and lead in your kingdom and do your will. Put us at your right and your left and we'll be your, your strength. And notice that Jesus never tells them that it was wrong for them to, to be great. It's just that they, what they had in their mind was not what greatness looks like. What do you think greatness looks like? Maybe we do the same thing when we talk about the greatest people of all times. It's usually someone who is like a, a president of something or a champion, you know, in some kind of power position, someone who with the best resume or the, the most trophies or accolades. In order to be great, your accomplishments have to be recognized, maybe with awards or people or, or popularity. You, you're in some kind of hall of fame or some kind of statue or some kind of recognition of what you have achieved or done or said. You get asked to speak places and you have influence and a platform and you, you have crowds where you can sway the opinions. Like that's leadership. You, that's where you lead. Jesus never said James and John shouldn't aim for greatness. It's just that all those things we just listed... That's not it. That's not greatness. Greatness is service. You want to be great, become a servant to all. The way of Jesus is to lead as a servant. That is greatness. So if you want, do you want to lead your family? Do you want to lead your friends? Then serve them. Sometimes we feel like we're taught or we... Somewhere again, that leadership is just kind of, you've got to come in and you've got to tell them. Kind of lay the hammer down. This, let me lead you. Just follow me and you just yank them along. Lead your family. Lead your friends. Serve them. Do you want to be an influence at work? Sacrifice yourself. Be a servant at your workplace. Do you want to change the world? Christians have to be humble to follow Jesus to the cross. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples once, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Why would someone follow Jesus taking up their cross? Because they're carrying with them the object of their own execution. What does that mean? It means you, you sacrifice yourself for those around you. You deny yourself in favor of those lifting others up. And I don't think, sometimes we'll hear this, and some, I don't think it just means 
that we go and we be sure to open the door for someone. Like that's a good thing. That's a good. I mean, great to give someone a smile or to hold the door for them. But that's kind of basic, right? That's just like normal human decency to, and kindness. It's all good, right? But let's not trivialize what we're talking about. Self-sacrifice. What does it look like to sacrifice for others? That's the question you need to wrestle with this week. Because Jesus did it by washing his disciples' feet. That's the job of a slave. He said, it's not too low for me. I'll wash your feet. He did it by literally sacrificing himself on the cross, death on a cross. A servant did some of the most uncomfortable tasks in society. And I think some of the problem with us being with us leading that way is because when things make us uncomfortable, I'm out. I'm out like that's the sign, right? When I'm uncomfortable, that's the exit sign. Serving is uncomfortable. And it's without recognition. It's without praise. Sometimes. And Jesus said to his disciples, that's the position I offer you. And that is greatness. Lead as a servant. And you, you want to share in the glory of Jesus? The way of Jesus is the way of service. Let's lead through service. Let's get humble and let's serve. Let's follow the ways of Jesus. Pray with me.